Batman, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Electricity here in Columbia. Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Louis Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the rave breaks out in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Touchdown, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! You believe the Cops have won this game. You're your host, J.C. Sherbert. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradley. I'm going to tell you, you look like you've joined the dynasty. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndo Co. The BarndominiumCo.com where you can build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, in Georgia, or in Tennessee. JC, JB, and Phil here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. JC will be in in just a moment. He is uh, wrapping up some things with J.C. and Morgan, as a matter of fact. But Phil's here, and that's good. That means that the show is on. It will be on with Wes Rucker from Tennessee's version of 24-7 Sports here in about uh, 25 minutes or so. 11.30 this morning is when Wes will jump in with us and help us continue to put a bow on the 2023 version of SEC Media Days. The Vols, high expectations. Once again, and I'm quite confident, Phil, that they have the University of South Carolina already circled on their schedule this season after last year's debacle for Tennessee in Williams-Brice Stadium. We'll also be joined at the top of the 12 o'clock hour, the noon hour, by David Cloninger of the Post and Courier. He's on his way back from the state of Tennessee. Of course, he was there covering uh, SEC media days for the Gamecocks and for the Post and Courier. So somewhere along I-40, I'm assuming, is where we'll get uh, David Cloninger, and we'll just hope and pray that it's pretty good coverage uh, while he's out there on his cell phone. But outside of that, an interesting question was posed to J.C. earlier in the week, and it was, who is the out-of-nowhere guy? And we have decided to pick that up and run with it today on our program as well. And what does that question even mean? Well, just think Nick eamon Worry. Or DQ Smith from 2022. You don't have to go back very far uh, to find somebody who, quote-unquote, came out of nowhere. Two guys from the Midlands, of course, whom uh, were not very highly recruited by others, but the Gamecocks are ecstatic to have them. Speaking of recruiting, really quickly, an update here. Liam Andrews has selected Penn State as expected. He is the uh, number 101 overall prospect in the top 24-7 class of 2024. So he will be basically staying home instead of coming down south to play for Shane Beamer and 
the Gamecocks. With all of that said, Phil, we'll continue, like I mentioned, to kind of wrap it up from this week that was in Nashville. And we've got basically one more week, and then it starts August 4th. Carolina will roll out the pads, and they'll get rolling to get ready for 2023. What's up, man? Oh, man, it's all right. It's all right. It's, uh, I'm excited for football season right around the corner here. We're dealing with fruit flies in my house, so it's driving me nuts, man. <laughs> I can't. Like, I, my, our youngest daughter, we found out yesterday, uh, was just putting leftover fruit and food into oh, no. her trash can in her room. Oh no. So she comes up to me after the show yesterday. She's like, Hey daddy, um, I have flies in my room. I'm like, you have flies in your room. What kind of flies? She was like little tiny itty bitty ones. I'm like, Oh God, no. Okay. So I walk in there. I was like, where are they coming from? She was like, I think my trash can. And Jamie, I, I swear I opened this can up and a cloud of fruit flies just comes out of this trash can. Oh my goodness, man. It is like nuts. And so now it's like, I'm about ready to drive everybody out of here and fumigate this thing because it's bad. We've got traps set up everywhere. My whole house smells like apple cider vinegar because we're trapping them in these bowls. Every 15 minutes, there's like, 30 to 40 dead fruit flies in these traps. It is, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, man. I know. That, <laughs> I know. Kids, that you is, gotta love them. <laughs> yeah. That is so. Uh, no. <laughs> There's a, you did the apple cider, cider vinegar like in the little, little dish. Like in a little dish, yeah, put a little yeah. dish soap in it to break the surface tension. So yeah. when they, as soon as they touch it, they can just sink to the bottom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, it's we, an effective we, trap. It's just like, oh my goodness, like there's yeah. that many. <laughs> I mean, is it? Do, are, are they still there? Do you feel like you've conquered the large majority of them? Or we've, I know. Uh, just from the the bodies that I've poured down the sink that. We've gotten rid of at least 300 and they're still around, right? It's just, it, it's, it's, oh my God. I mean, when I say it looked like a scene out of a movie, right? Like you open up something and then this, this cloud of insects comes flying out at you. That, that is exactly what happened to me yesterday. I, I have, I learned my lesson on that the hard way, by the way, when we, uh, one time when we were seeing, fruit flies in our home and we discovered they had to be of course coming from the trash because I've right. made that same mistake well I don't know if you call it a mistake but I've opened the trash can before and done the same thing and they so yeah. the next time that that happened yeah it's smart and I went and grabbed the vacuum and I turned it on and I just tur- turned it on and as I opened the thing I shoved it in there and just started going back and forth it for yep. about 30 seconds. And then when I lifted it up, I could tell there were still a couple around that were trying to escape, and I got pretty much all of them. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, should have uh, done that. I didn't, I didn't realize no, the you extent don't, you, yeah, of what was it. going on in that trash can. Because it like yeah. when I pulled the can out, I, was, I looked at my wife. I was like, she's in here making prison hooch in her trash can. Yeah. There's so much fermented <laughs> fruit. And it's like a damn science project in here. 
Oh, oh man. my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's yeah, that's uh summer's that's almost over. <laughs> yeah. They're almost they're almost out of your hair. Well, you don't have hair, so they're almost Yeah, well, you know. yeah, that's true. Yeah. August eight can't get here quick enough though. I'm ready yeah. for everybody to be it's back coming quick. There. Summer's yeah, flying, man. Supposed it's crazy. To be. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Before you know, we'll be in Charlotte getting ready to watch uh Carolina and North Carolina kickoff. North Carolina got a, got my hotel booked. We're yep. we're gonna be there. Continues to, by the way, on that front, to be uh, pretty good signs pointing to the fact that uh, as we predicted long ago, uh, college game day more than likely will be nestled safely somewhere on the grounds of Bank of America Stadium to preview that ball game. So, uh, looking forward to that announcement more than likely coming probably in uh, about a month. And uh, we will uh, see those games. If you're, if you're hitting the road up there, you'll be able to enjoy uh, the uh, the Carolina Rise slash Big Spur pregame party. And um, and prior to that, you'll be able to enjoy college game day. So hopefully a win will accompany both of those major events in Charlotte. It is. Want yeah. to see some Carolina Rise signs in the uh, in the background of game day would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> there you go. Who are we going to challenge? Uh, to that, Lisa's in. Lisa's in the Nanosports chat box today. Maybe Lisa will make a Carolina Rise uh, sign and take it with her to Charlotte if she's going. Lisa, if you're going, it's now on your shoulders. And if you need to pawn that off on somebody else, kind of make it like the uh, like the Washington State flag, where it's oh, shipped yeah. all, it's shipped all over the country. Yes, and um, and you know it just shows up. So. <laughs> Uh, maybe maybe we'll put Lisa in charge of that since she seems to probably be uh, of all of the the uh, others in our chat box today and always uh, she seems to be one of the most responsible. So Lisa, it's on you. I don't know you, but I I like you. So so you, it, we're gonna put that on your shoulders uh, moving right. forward. All right, everybody get gets that, a job. Get that going. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, again, no, uh, JC will be here in just a little bit. He's wrapping up a, a, a version of JC and Morgan this morning, and uh, we'll get him in. Wes Rucker and David Cloninger uh, are both due up on our programming today, and we are certainly looking forward to talking to Wes because not only is Tennessee expected to be a pretty good program this year, but they are coming off of the uh, NCAA's uh, – uh, well, I don't even know what you'd call them anymore. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, the NCAA put the hammer down, which I, I guess they kind of did. That, and, and that's one of the things, like with their violations with that, you, you, you had, and, and I, I don't, I just don't understand this. The national media literally only focused on the bowl, the bowl ban. Oh, they didn't get a bowl ban, so they're fine. In today's day and age of the opt-out and all of that, I mean, postseason bans don't carry the weight no. that they used to. It just they doesn't. Don't. I mean, you get a you get a unless you're in the playoff, it's a you know a shell of a team you're carrying in there generally. You know, with with multiple starters out. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it just it, it doesn't carry the weight. It doesn't carry the weight. Eight million dollars isn't that what it was, or was six million dollars? Well, it was eight, but then it eight, was eight, and then the five thousand plus the three percent. Yeah, the then, right. Yeah, so eight million dollars is a lot of money. Well, you're probably period. talking a little over ten million, really, when you get down to it, right? Uh, yeah. And I know a program yeah, like Tennessee can, yeah, bounce back from you know that, but with the limited unofficials, 
you know, and taking away some of that time, it's going to, you know, it's going to make recruiting more of a challenge. Um, right. And if Tennessee's product on the field isn't, you know, as good as it was last year, not necessarily as good, but if it isn't as flashy and, you know, doesn't catch the, the national eye as much as it does, you're going to need every minute you can with some of these kids. And, and I, I you know, I think it's a, I put it on Twitter. I was like, it's sneakily punitive. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't look like it on the top, but when you dig into it, it, it could have some effects. Yeah, no, it could. And, and I think that, that that's again, where some of the, the main writers for college football have missed on this because quite frankly, they know Jack, you know what about the recruiting calendar and, and what it entails and how important certain pieces of it are to building a program. Now, I'm not saying that anybody laid the hammer down on those guys. That's not what I'm getting no. at here. But but I am saying that, I mean, had you taken – all right, let's play it this way. All the stuff that they got, wipe that off the board and give them a three-year show cause on bowls. Okay, you can't play in a bowl game for three years. What's worse? It's what they got than yeah. playing in a bowl. Again, yeah, to your point, though, you know, now if you – with the playoff, if you aren't allowed to play in the playoff, that hurts. Um yeah. That 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 hurts, and they certainly could have, you know, implemented something like that. But the fact that they just got off scot free, I, I I totally disagree with that. And and uh, so I'm anxious to talk to Wes and see how Tennessee feels. I'm sure they feel, you know, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's fifty fifty. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, you know, and it's hard. I mean, you're in a spot. You're you're punishing this year's team for something that happened. You know two, three and, years ago. And I'll never I mean, agree with that. I, I don't like that, that either. There's got to be some other way, but you can't, you know, dip into Jeremy Pruitt's, you know, you can't find him directly, I don't think, you know, I mean, but I, I don't know. Right. But there's got to be a better system set up. Yeah. They just, they're I'm, so deliberative and, and with this process of, you know, trying to make sure they've got their ducks in a row, it takes so long that by the time these consequences come down, I mean, shoot, nobody's there. <laughs> well, that's 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 the issue. Like, and yeah. and I I'm not saying that I'm I'm not for a bowl ban or something like that. But if you're going to implement those type of things, the people that need to suffer for that are the ones that committed the violations. But those that are that have committed the violations have already received show causes, so they can't even coach. I mean, they're right. out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Drew, um, uh, what was his last name? He actually was at South Carolina under Will Muschamp before he went up and took that quote-unquote director of ops job for Jeremy Pruitt, he he left Tennessee be, before, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. Might have not been that long, but it's been a while ago. I'm sure he anticipated this was on the way, and he's in the NFL. If I, I think if memory serves me correct, he's with the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they can, they can give you this show cause when it comes to college football, but the NCAA, of course, has zero jurisdiction, jurisdiction with the NFL. So Jeremy Pruitt, while he cannot coach, um, well, he he could be hired. He could be hired, and other coaches on that staff can be hired. But the the institution that hires them will then have to provide an explanation to the NCAA as to why they feel that he should be able to coach. Just because they hired him does not mean that the NCAA will go through and approve that request. So Jeremy Pruitt theoretically can shift out of college football and maybe go get a job in the NFL if that's what he wants to do because he really, really wants to coach. 
But nonetheless, Wes will have more more on that for us here coming up in just a little bit, and uh, and we'll get his thoughts on what transpired this year at SEC Media Days. And by the way, the more that I thought about this, guys, and JC has popped in here, um, the more that I've thought about this, and I know, again, I know the narrative is, I've seen it, oh, Lane Kiffin has, and Chris even mentioned it yesterday, and I don't necessarily agree with him, that, uh, well, he spent all this time up there complaining about NIL. You know what? I'm glad he's got the nuts to stand up there and say what he believes because nobody else does, and I don't think he was wrong. You know, he's up there talking about the fact that college football is self-destructing because of the transfer portal. We just spent two months talking about the fact that college baseball coaches are literally spending all day long scouring the transfer portal from 5, 6 in the morning until midnight. I don't care, you know, how ignorant somebody is to make a comment about, well, they get paid millions of dollars. They can do it. That's just an ignorant comment. That means you know literally nothing. Like, you don't know anything of what you're talking about. Like, it is not just that easy to continue to try to build a program, have players leave your program in the middle of the night, having to scour the country and get to know these guys. Shane Beamer made a great example, talked about this other day, and it was a great example. We spend two and three years recruiting guys to make sure it's the right guy for us. And then sometimes we got to figure out within two or three days whether this guy's the right guy for our program. And then guess what? The pressure to win now is 10 times what it was yesterday and a million times what it was five years ago. So if you go in there, I don't know, Billy Napier, and you go six and seven again this year, there is a strong chance Florida's going to fire him because they're not going to put up with that. And so this whole transfer portal thing and the fact that these guys, on top of all of this, bringing the, the human element into this, like, let's all bring the human element into it. Phil, you have a family. JC, you have a family. I have a family. The large majority of people that watch and listen to our program, the, whatever it is, five, 6,000 people a day, they have families. And while money is very important to the future of your family and maybe the three and four and five generations down the road, as much money as some of these guys make, it still hurts to spend – 16, 17 hours a day in your football facility because of things like the transfer portal when your son is out playing his first T-ball game. And 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 that's that's tough. That's tough. And so, you know, Lane Kiffin got up there and said what he needed to say. I don't disagree with him. I'm glad he was bold about it. And he said it on the heels three days after the commissioner just did the same thing, basically. So for those who felt the ignorance to go out and criticize him, I don't know, open the book and read it first before you start talking about how bad it is. I, I, I thought that was poor on behalf of some folks, but hats off to Lane Kiffin for saying uh, what he said. I thought he was the best guest of the entire week as far as the coaches go. Yeah, and I don't think Chris was going off on him. I think Chris – it's Chris's first media days, right? I, th- I think Chris just – No, gonna- no. I don't think he's using that as an example of, of, yeah, they weren't talking talking about the team. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and and I I get that certainly because I I think, I think most reporters do want to get off topic and then talk about that. But yeah, I respect Lane Kiffin a whole lot for that. Uh, I also respect the fact guys, did you know Lane Kiffin is a head coach is 84 and 47? You know, that's uh, about what Spurrier's record was at South Carolina. Now it's spread over four schools, but, uh, 
Right. He's won 14 SEC games in three years at Ole Miss. We call it three and a half schools, but I hear I mean, that. I don't I don't know that yeah, after after Cutcliffe did his steady tenure there and then uh, Hugh Freeze kind of took him to new heights. Uh and then they had the Matt Luke thing. I I don't know that people thought Ole Miss could come back and be that a consistent winner like that. So hats off to him. I was just thinking about that day. So, I mean, he yeah. won a lot. Uh, although yeah. I, uh, I get the feeling this may be uh, the year maybe they get they dip a little bit. They always have a, a dip year and stuff. But anyway, that's beside the, the way, point. I stand my ground on the fact that I think he's the successor to, Link, to uh, Nick Saban at Alabama. Could be. Yeah. He he's the one guy who can handle that job without the pressure. You know what I'm saying? The people you don't want to be the guy to follow the guy. We've seen this a thousand times. It, it doesn't work. He's the one guy who could follow the guy. The structure right. at Alabama would be night and day different. Sure, that's the yeah. one thing I've heard about Lane Kiffin. He is much closer to Steve Spurrier in the kind of the loosey goosey structure of the program. Yeah, I get it. Um, than he is to to Nick Saban. But uh, hey, maybe you know you get to the point. Of all that Saban leaves a program in great shape. Les Miles won a national championship because of the work Nick Saban did. Uh, I think actually you could probably credit Ed Orgeron's championship to Saban as well because LSU had been in the wilderness for twenty five years before Saban got there and straightened everything out. And he leaves it. Right. I mean, you know, I, I don't know, man. I think my dog could coach a Nick Saban inherited program and, and probably win, get to the independence bowl or something. You know, I, I just, uh, I have that much, uh, that much good to say about the impact Nick Saban makes on a program, but yeah, that that's possible because you're probably going to, if you're Bama, you're probably going to shoot for Dabo, you know, maybe not, but uh, who else you're is Dabo. there? Uh, Jeremy you're Pruitt nice. talking to people at Alabama Jeremy Pruitt was at one point considered the guy. (laughs) Well, hey, much like much like much like they avoided Rich Rodriguez, good thing. You know, Alabama JC has been this close to making some pretty, and they made some points. People forget about this. We've talked about this before with South Carolina specifically through the lean years and the fact that. It, it, it everything always changes. Nothing stays the same. Nothing. Alabama's the greatest program in the history of the sport, and it's like people forget that they just were not any good in the late 90s and early 2000s. They weren't good. And, I mean, you go back and think about the coaches that they had. I mean, they hired <laughs> – never mind. We're not going to go all the way down this road. But, like, if you yeah. go back – you know what I'm saying? Like – they have made some poor hires, and they've almost made some worse hires. Rich Rod would have been a, you know, because we saw what Rich Rod did in Michigan, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when he got the, the big time. I mean, you know, and, and like like a program like Michigan, you know, you think about them, Rich Rod, Brady Hoke, you know, finally they, they, they got caged animal syndrome and got the guy, and now he's winning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of – it's strange. Some of these big programs yeah. – and I think if you're a program like South Carolina, that's what you want to do. You want to wait for the other guys to, to screw it up. I, I think the problem is with the game – these years where the Gamecocks have not been able to get a lot of traction, and I'd say prior to Beamer getting here and kind of in the late Spurrier years where they missed out on division titles they should have had and stuff, 
you know, at that point, you know, how much longer will Florida and Tennessee be a dumpster fire? Well, I think we're finding now Tennessee's kind of caught on to something. Uh, you know, will Florida, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but now with the divisions going away, you're not, you're, you got to worry about everybody, not just, uh, those two, but, uh, it's, uh, but, but, but yeah, the big, the big boys do screw it up. Alabama's very fortunate that they, uh, cause they went after Spurrier. He said no. They went after Saban. He said no. They offered Rich Rod the job. He backs out. <laughs> Who's going to get it? I don't know. You know, finally they got Saban and, and the way they go. Had they gotten somebody else, we, we may be on Bama coach number five well, since they, then. They still have Steve to thank for that because Steve told him, yeah. you need to call that Nick Saban. He'd probably Nick be a good Saban. one for you. Nicky I'm just saving. I'm good right here at Carolina, boys. Yeah, y'all need to call that saving guy. Uh, He's pretty. The good. worst part about taking that job after him is just going to be the immense pressure because it was like you know I know you talk about Michigan, JC. I mean, but they you do you see Alabama giving the new coach even if they go out and get quote the guy the you know, are they going to show him the patience that Michigan showed to Harbaugh? <laughs> no. no. It would be no. more like when, when, when Bo Schembechler left Michigan. Yeah. Gary Moeller took over for a while. And he was so-so. Well, then Lloyd Carr was that next guy. And a lot of times when you have a legendary coach leave, you know, it's the it's the, that next, the, it's the next guy. Very few situations happen like at Oregon where Mike Bellotti, who was – a great coach leaves chip Kelly takes over and they get better. You know, that, that rarely happens. I mean, look at, and it doesn't really matter who you hire. I mean, look at Clemson when Danny Ford left, they mm-hmm. went and hired Ken Hatfield. Ken Hatfield was a, an amazing coach in Arkansas. I bet he wishes he'd stayed. <laughs> and, and he goes and he's like, Oh, shame on you, Clemson. You remember when you got fired? Shame on you, Clemson. Shame. Shame. It just doesn't always work out. I mean, it. Yeah, I, people, it, people were up who were up in arms about Muschamp. You know, I, I understand it. I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying they were wrong. Um, but it just there's reasons sometimes to believe that some guys are going to work out, and there's and and they don't. And uh, you know, there's a reason to believe I, that it could work for. Matter of fact, guys, after year two when he went nine and four at South Carolina, I think some people are looking around going, "Well, actually, this might actually work out here." And then a lot of, of people course, did say that, myself included. Um, yeah. And then Florida 2018 happened. <laughs> I think Will served his purpose. I, I think he got the roster back in shape. He he laid the laid some groundwork, got a facility built. Um, yeah, it was sad. The last couple of years were sad, and and it sucked uh, because you know he wasn't a type of hire. Yeah, that you give that you could give him five years and say five six years. They go well. It's, it's in the gutter. Go build. Uh, you you maybe could have done that if you'd have hired a guy like Lincoln Riley, but I don't think Lincoln Riley could have recruited his way to get that roster in any sort of shape uh, to compete right away. Muschamp did that, uh, and he left some really good players. He left some positions as a disaster, but he left a lot of positions that were pretty pretty doggone good and. There's still players he recruited on this team coming up this year that are going to play significant roles and probably go to the pros. So uh, I, I think he served his purpose, and sometimes it, it just works that way. Like if you and if you look at Will's career, he follows. He's set to follow Mac Brown at Texas. <laughs> then he's like, yeah. "Now nah, I'm going to go follow Urban Meyer at Florida." 
And then I'm going to follow Steve freaking Spurrier at South Carolina. I mean, th- those are impossible situations. Um, he's, he's a guy who probably suit good, like starting a program like UAB a couple of years ago. Like we need someone to get this thing going after we've been gone for a little bit. JC, we got to step aside for a break. Wes sure. Rucker is due up here in just a minute. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. We'll be right back. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com your modern golf club experience. Hey, folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com Thirty-five here on this Friday, finally, finally Friday. Watching the Open Championship while we're in the studio here, getting ready for the weekend. And Brian Harmon had a hell of a day. He shot a sixty-five. He's at ten under in the Open, and my man Rory just can't get it going. But Spieth's at five under, so there's some good news for those 
out there who is uh, who are golfers. Wes Rucker is uh, is he not in Phil? Not yet. Can't hear you. You're muted. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Not yet. Not yet. So he's a little bit late. David Cloner is coming up at the top of the 12 o'clock hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, Dave's coming today. I was not aware of that. Yeah, Do you not read your text? He must not read his text, Phil. <laughs> I probably missed one or two, just to be honest. So, um, <laughs> From yeah. yesterday. Yeah. Oh, yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday was kind of a roller coaster day for yours, truly. So, no, uh, but no, yeah, great to, great to I like Wes and Dave. They're they're two of my more favorite people. They're kind of they're funny. Uh, Wes is busy. Wes is like because Wes has a child and uh, he's busy. So, yeah. you know that's the thing. So read my text, JC. So anyway, that's the yeah. deal there. But uh, yeah, I think uh, it'll be good to talk a little Tennessee. We. Uh, uh, we had a great interview. It, it was on the heels of the Chase Belt Park Avenue interview on Wednesday. But I went back and, and looked at it this morning. The Jordan Hill from Dogs 2-7 interview was really, really good. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. I think he's very fair, balanced, straightforward, tells it like it is. Uh, he got into some of their personnel issues or issues or non-issues, whatever you want to call it. They're going to be extremely good again this year. But um, I'm putting that up on the, uh, it's under, it's called the opposite sideline on the YouTube page. So go back and check that complete interview out. I'll put Jeff Tarpley's from A&M up, uh, after that. And then I'll have this one with Wes. So we'll have this little SEC preview going on, on mm-hmm. the YouTube page. And so you guys will, uh, enjoy that. It'll call it a, call it our little version of Athlon or Lindy's. That's you remember Athlon our- or Lindy's? Or just uh, it's you know Phil. We have they have Phil Steele and we have so Phil Mullinax. Spencer Rattler on the cover of Phil Steele this year. Yeah, we have Phil Mullinax, Mad Dog Mullinax, as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah, I mean, as look, as it pertains to to Tennessee, uh, they have been up on graphics all week long as one of those uh, cross Power Five matchups in the opening weekend because they've got Virginia at noon on ABC on that Saturday, September the second before taking on Austin P and then heading to the Swamp to see the Gators. And that would be, if they can get the win, I think, and Wes will know the answer to this, the first time in 20 years they've actually gone down there and beaten Florida. But nonetheless, we have Wes Rucker with GoVols247.com. Finally, Media Days is over, and some of us, like you, get to breathe a little bit. What's up, man? Yeah, what's going on, guys? I hope that you can hear me all right. I've got a, yeah. I'm sitting here in the studio, but I had a little bit of a technical issue, so I'm on my iPad instead of my computer. So uh, it, it's not looking or sounding the way it normally would. But uh, yeah, uh, to, to, to your point there that y'all were talking about a second ago, it's like that woman in Titanic said, it's been 84 years. Yeah, it's been a long time <laughs> since, uh, since Tennessee has gone uh, down to Gainesville and gotten anything from it. So we'll We'll see if that happens. I, I, I don't know, but uh, it's certainly certainly possible. You would expect them on paper to be the better team, but we said that. Yeah, I'd be shocked for them not to be a two touchdown favorite in that game. The, the twenty seventeen <laughs> game, Wes, was unreal. Like uh, I had a buddy, and I happened to go to a funeral that day. But my neighbor in Greenville, South Carolina, huge Tennessee fan. And we, wa- we we got the habit of watching games together, drink a little beer, eating some boiled peanuts, whatever. I had to go to a funeral that morning, so I get back. We're all fired up. 
Little Eye of the Vols have won. And freaking Felipe Franks, of all people, throws a rope right there and touchdown Florida won. Yeah, it's funny because there had been a couple of uh, Tennessee-type Hail Marys in that series. You know, you'd had had James Banks, of all people, throw one, you know, on one at Mm -hmm. the end of the half. So there have been some some weird stuff there. But that was – it's funny because Tennessee – there for about 15 years took so many kicks to the nuts that you kind of lost count of, of <laughs> which ones happened when, but that one was, that was a doozy, man. That was, you know, and I, I love the, the press box in the swamp, you know, you're, it's, it's open. So you get to see, and you know, it, it, dude, that was loud, man. That, that was a moment. That was one of those ones that you're like, okay, I'm seeing something pretty cool here. Like I know Tennessee fans are going to be miserable about it, but I'm seeing something kind of cool here. Well, those yeah, are certainly two programs going in different directions right now. I, I, I well, it's TBD on the Gators, but you know more of the same. I think is expected from from Tennessee this year. West, though, you know, only a few days ago they got the ruling from the NCAA. So, what's the word in Knoxville about the punishment that they receive? How are they feeling about it? I think they're happier than people outside of Knoxville and the state of Tennessee are about it. If I'm being honest, I mean, I think that they, sure. um, they, they felt like, uh, this is about what they were hoping, um, you know, and, and cause they, they took a, they took a different path on this, you know, I mean, you got, you know, teams like LSU and UNC in the past years who have basically just told, you know, the NCAA sit and spin and here you go. Like, this is what you get. And, and Tennessee was like, no, here's everything that happened. This is every single thing. We looked at it ourselves. It's really bad, but here it is. Please don't kill us. Please don't kill us. And uh, we fired everybody. We sent the players away, yada, yada. Um, but it's really bad. But, hey, here, here it is. And it worked. Um, they, they, got, they got hammered. I mean, it's the biggest financial penalty that the NCAA has ever given. You, right. you know, uh, it, it's, it's, um, that's a number of scholarships. Just not an insignificant number. Uh, that's that's a pretty fair amount of scholarships, and it's also games you can't have. Like you, you know, Tennessee uses games at Neyland Stadium, like everybody does at their stadium for big recruiting weekends. And, and Neyland, you can put on a show there. And there've been a couple times in the past years, and there's gonna be a couple more where they couldn't have official visitors in. You know, they couldn't do some of that stuff. So right. they've taken their their medicine in a lot of ways, playing with like what sixty. 65 scholarships that first most fcs numbers uh the you know 35 players i think left the program uh so it's not like they got nothing um but there were people who wanted them to get more and those people aren't happy because they they didn't get more now they're on five years probation so if they do anything in the next few years you know look out but but right now i think they feel like they've sort of weathered it Uh, i i think uh, jc and phil and i we're going through the details, literally the, the moment that they broke uh, right before we popped on the air, you know, whenever that was, a few days ago. And I, I, I think that a lot of the national narrative, this is just my personal opinion on this, Wes, is, is incorrect um, because they only focused on the bowl ban and the fact that they did not receive one. Now, you know, if they make it into the college football playoff, you know, uh, you know that's certainly something that would have been a major penalty. But if you read the fine print of what came out, and of course I know that you have, there is a lot of stuff in there that is a little bit self-destructive to building a program. And and, and even things in there that I've never seen before uh, in penalties issued by the NCAA, like these, these basically these uh, 
these meetings they have to have with reps in the room to make sure that they're going through these training seminars and all this stuff. I mean, that's the that's like Spanish class when you're a sophomore in high school. You want to sleep through it or University 101 or something like that. But they're going to have to do that in addition to all the recruiting stuff that you just mentioned. And you and JC, y'all know the recruiting calendar as well as anybody out there. There are going to be some hurdles to clear with all of that for them. There will, and, and certainly those things will will complicate themselves even more if they get in more trouble. Which it's funny to me, kind of that they have to have those meetings because I, I think from a compliance standpoint, like since Hypel's been there, maybe their biggest compliance issue has been like maybe somebody farted in a compliance meeting or something. Like they've not had really anything, you know, in that standpoint in the Hypel era, certainly, but. Yeah, I mean, there are some really interesting things in that penalty. And basically, they did everything they could except for the bowl ban. Like, they even went above and beyond with certain punishments, but they didn't do the bowl ban. Because there were some people, including yours truly, I'm being honest, at the time, who said, screw two years ago. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Just go ahead and take the penalty then. Oh, no, you're not going to play in the who gives a crap bowl. And, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the players. But, you know, it, it's – hey, it's it's not that big of a deal. It, it's it's not that big of a deal. But Tennessee, from the beginning, consistently said, hey, the players implicated in this left the program. Implicated in this were fired. Everybody still here, as far as the NCAA knows, has not committed a violation. So why are we going to punish the people who did the right things, you know? And, and that's how – NCAA punishments are weird because what happens is – People who didn't do the thing get punished for for things that they didn't do, and, and that's. But people are only in college for four. So how are you going to punish people? There's not really a great answer there. But um, I think when you look at the severity of the other penalties in this case, I think it mitigates a little bit the fact that they didn't get a bowl ban because they got absolutely blistered in a couple of other ways. But they've also known that was coming. So for a couple of years, they've been trimming scholarships, they've weekends. They've sort of kneecapped themselves a little bit uh, behind the scenes to get through the process. So I think that's something that, that I don't know if it's been re- reported quite as much by people outside Knoxville. And I get that because national media have one of the most difficult jobs you can imagine. How It's hard enough to know what's going on all the time in one program. Try 130. Try even or five conferences. It's hard to know what is going on everywhere all the time. So you're not going to get the nuance from a national level that you're going to get from a local level. So right, I understand right. that, but I think there are mitigating factors there. As it pertains to the 2023 version of the Vols, give us the uh, before fall practice begins synopsis i know josh was up there yesterday uh following coach beamer as a matter of fact at mm-hmm. at sec media days but you know they, I, it feels like rocky top thinks we're back uh, after uh, a spectacular year last year so transitioning forward new quarterback kind of walk us through where they stand going into fall practice yeah first off i think it's a little it, it is kind of funny and appropriate that before hypel because i think he earned that right last season uh down there in columbia with that uh with that absolute piping that tennessee took uh down there um but yeah i I think they feel pretty good about where things are uh i I think they're saying the right things in that last year was good but they wanted more um because you know maybe the rebuild schedule and it definitely is there's no question about it 
But once you get there, once you get to the table, it's like, imagine like Thanksgiving, like you put all this great stuff on the table and then you don't eat, you don't get to eat it. And, and that's what Tennessee did last season. It did all the stuff, spent all that time on the turkey, did all that stuff, you know, beat Bama, you know, beat LSU, did all these good things during those streaks. And then they sit down there around Thanksgiving to that delicious meal, and they just fumble the plate all over themselves. That, that's what they did. Late, that's what happened in Columbia. So they, the guys who are on that team are aware of that. They are very determined to not make that happen again. And if Joe Milton's good – Maybe they won't. Maybe it won't happen. If Joe Milton is good, Tennessee is going to be very, very, very good. If Tennessee is going to be okay. Um, and I know you could say that about any team, but the rest of the team, there's a couple of questions here or there, like there is with any team. But if Joe Milton is the player that Tennessee thinks he has the chance to be, then Tennessee is going to be very good. Because remember two years ago, there was not a single person in that program, not one person who thought it. It was wrong. Was named the starter over Hendon Hooker going into the season. They had had they had seen nine months of Hendon Hooker, and they had seen six weeks of Joe Milton, and they went, "Nope, it's Milton. It's got to be Milton." And everybody was on the same page about that. So then the season started. Milton tears a couple tendons in his ankle. Hooker comes in, lights up the world, and, and things look different. But Milton is always ability now. You talk to scouts about him, you'll never see a stronger arm maybe at any level of the of the game than he has. It is a he doesn't know how far he can throw a football. He does not know because he's never tried. He just knows that he can throw it at least like eighty one or eighty two yards because he did that once while trying to complete a pass downfield. That he's never really uncorked it. Um that's how ridiculous he has and he's a good athlete too. So um and we know Heifel's offense is always going to be pretty good. They're always going to be in contention. So um you know if they're a little bit better in the secondary and Milton's good, they're going to be very, very good. Well, it's a lot of people don't realize this. You had the South Carolina game, and obviously Hendon got hurt. Joe came in, let him drive kind of in garbage time. Uh, it gets lost on a lot of people because people people talk about, you know, Tennessee blew up with the South Carolina game or whatever. Vanderbilt came into that game the next week, having, having just beaten Florida and Kentucky back-to-back. Vandy's getting the balls in trouble. Mm-hmm. 56 nothing in Nashville. And then, to make some other people out there in our audience happy, the Orange Bowl really wasn't that close. I mean, Clemson – I mean, they beat Clemson good. Joe Milton, yes, but also the Tennessee defense. Uh, you know, you, you shut Vandy out. You hold Clemson to 14 points. Uh, did you think that, that maybe there was a turning point on that side of the ball – and then because Joe was the quarterback and did well, that that's the reason maybe for, for very high expectations again this year? Yeah, it's interesting because Tennessee's defense was an interesting story last season because one of the other – one of the many subplots in that Carolina game was James uh, – was I'm sorry, Jeremy Banks was not there. And, and he was a guy who – say what you will about having to worry about that kid every second that he's not on the field. Um, he was when he was on the field. The, the kid, he was really important to that defense, and he was not there that week. And that you saw how important he was to that defense that, that week. Um, but they were able to, and, and and really quickly too. Like that was that was a surprise deal. The 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 thing that he wasn't able to 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 play in that game. So they were able to make more time 
in the bowl game and prepare without him, so they were better. But Tim Banks has been, I think, a pretty decent defender. He was a co-coordinator at Penn State when when um, when, when Heupel got the job at Tennessee, and he brought him down uh, from from um, from college, or sorry, college station um, uh, from from State Happy Valley down there. Yeah, whatever, whatever. The other one. The other one. And the other uh, he's one. been a pretty good. He's been a pretty good coordinator, despite not having a lot to work with. I mean, he's had Byron Young, who's a good player, a couple of DBs here and there who are decent players. Um, you know, Latte Taylor, some other guys, but they've not had depth there. And, and playing defense at Tennessee, you need depth because that offense. Right. It's like their story drives are like a Misfits album, like two two oh eight one fifty seven one forty nine. Like that's what they do, right? They go boom, 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 and so if they go thirty seconds, so you've got to have depth, and they have not had depth on defense. So um, some of that stuff's not right. maybe totally their fault, um, but they have kept the thing together defensively for the most part. They've limited some big plays. They've done a couple good things. Um, but they need to be better there. They've recruited well. They've gotten in the past couple of years what like four, like four or five star types on the edge who are really big prospects. Um, had some really big time players there. Um, they've gotten a couple of good players out of the portal that they like. Um, they they should be they should be okay. And Tim Banks and those guys, Willie Martinez, all those guys, they're you know everybody knows Rodney Garner, what kind of coach he is on the defensive line, um, and all the guys he's produced. So yeah, I mean they, they've. They're gonna. I don't know that they're. As long as Heupel's somewhere, I don't know they're ever gonna be known for their defense. But you know, all you gotta do if they're gonna play offense the way they have been, man, just get one or two stops at half. You're winning games. Well, I, you you bring up some really interesting points because I th- I think that people. You're right. Nobody thinks defense when they think in the C right now because of Josh Heupel and that high-flying offense. They only gave up 30 points or more last year three times in 13 games. Carolina, of course, was one. Alabama was another. And I correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Florida. Um, yeah, Florida got yeah, 33. Anthony, Florida 33, right? Yeah, Anthony Richardson might be a first-round pick in some reasons because of that game. <laughs> he was unbelievable. Yeah. He and Spencer Rattler last year. The highlights are, I mean, the the, the the throws those two dudes made in those two games against Tennessee, even like the five plays Tennessee tried to play defense, those guys still made the plays. It was unbelievable. I mean, those two guys put on a show last year against, those de- against that defense. So you kind of hit on this a minute ago, and, and because we're on a, you're on a, uh, a, Gamecock-affiliated program today. I, you know, I will just ask you the big, bold question, the big elephant-in-the-room type question here. How how heavily circled is that South Carolina game on September 30th for these guys? It is, it is not the Alabama game. It's not the Florida or Georgia game. It means more than any game other than those. Um, kind of a, it's kind of an interesting thing. Tennessee going to Columbia – has not traditionally always been a problem for Tennessee, but every time Tennessee goes to Columbia late in the season and needs to win because they're competing for a championship, Tennessee fumbles the bag every time. It's happened like three times where Tennessee's gone to uh, gone to Cola late in the year. They, they've needed to get some stuff, and, and they've lost SEC East contention. They've lost college football playoff contention. They've lost all kinds of stuff going down there. And the way that happened, I mean, anytime you get the field stormed on you and stuff like that, that sticks with you. And I don't 
blame fans for doing it. Hell, I, I think it's fun. If you're in college and you beat like a top five or top ten team, hell yeah, man, go on the field. Take the fine. Who cares? Do Be a fan. Be a fan. Do that. But that's the kind of thing that sticks with guys. Like, I'm sure Bama will want to absolutely put it on Tennessee next season if it is capable of doing that because of what happened. So, yeah, it, it's a um, – Neyland will be rocking that game. Neyland will be absolutely ready for blood. It will be one of those – you know, I call them the, the sort of – you're going to feel it in the stands. You're going to feel like the, – the Tennessee's not – like the coaches are going to say the right things about just wanting to win the game. The fans are going to want Tennessee to win that game by 100 points if it's possible. I don't know if it's possible. <laughs> Carolina's pretty good, but but they're going to want they're going to want blood in that game. Hey, guys, two, two years ago, I thought Tennessee was going to win that game by 100 points in Knoxville. That thing changed quickly, man. That game, it was like boom, 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 boom. It was it – was, it was, the, the infamous Jordan Birch. Jordan Birch pass. Oh, yeah. my, oh my God. What? When, when you, you, were you in the press box for that game, Wes? Yes, when, yes. When, the, the, when, when Jordan Birch tossed that ball in the end zone, what, what were people saying up there? <laughs> Like uh, one of those, like or one of those when you're watching it, it's like you, it's like you're you're watching like like it at Talladega when there's like a hundred cars within like an inch of each other going 200 miles an hour, and everybody's like, ah, 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 like kind of clinching up, like you know, getting that lemon booty, like you kind of like that nervous, that anxiety. Yeah, it was like, ah. um, but you know, hey, tried something. It's like, it's like golden tea. Oh no, Peter. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, gold, gold tea. You're speaking Nick oh, no. language there. Yeah, Tennessee has a uh, has a golden tea machine in the basketball locker room that Rick Barnes says is for the players. It's for Rick Barnes. It's not Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes. Barnes. <laughs> I almost guarantee that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, it's interesting. This series is interesting. West the Gamecocks in Tennessee, and I have a ton of friends that are Vol fans, and um, and we, we we were talking about it this summer. I mean, it's like. So South Carolina won three in a row from 2010 to 12. Tennessee, unbelievably, especially in 13 and 14, those two games were unbelievable. They went three in a row. Uh, 16, the Gamecocks knock them out of the East. 17, they win in Knoxville. 18, they, that, you feel Tennessee coming back because that wasn't a great Tennessee team, and they gave the Gamecocks all they want. Blow, blown out in Neyland in 19, close one in 20 in the opener. Destroyed them in 21, look, 22 and a half point favorites. Boom, here come the Gamecocks right back. Here's the thing, though, and I'll see what you think about this because you, you've been around Tennessee for a while and I've been around Carolina. If you think old. about it, this sets up pretty bad for the Gamecocks because of the styles of play. South Carolina's won three times at Neyland. Those scores have been, and two of them were Steve Spurrier as a head coach. 16 to 15, 14 to 3, and 15 to 9. Yeah, and I covered all three yeah. of those. I remember those. Those were some. We're not I mean, getting they, scores they like close. that. They were close. Um, you know, wouldn't say they were great they watches, this year. but no. <laughs> yeah, those were those were the old uh, those were the old like uh, NL Central two to one games like back in the day. Like, you know that that was well. Yeah, it it, it, it was it, it's the style with which Tennessee plays people know this when that offense gets going it's tough um they 
what they do and we'll see if they do and you know eventually they move those hash marks in and they change the clock a little bit because a lot of those rules they're i'm not saying they're designed to to stop offenses like tennessee but if you were to build rules for a place like tennessee that's how you would build them that's what you would do um but but i think they what they do is like i've never seen in my career doing this a game where Several times in the same game, Nick Saban defenses were not ready at the snap. Like, and it happened throughout that game. So, I, I mean, every coach says it for a reason. You can't do what they do at the pace they do it with the athletes they do it in one week with your scout team. It's not possible. It is so different because everybody tries to go a little bit of tempo, right? Everybody tries to go a little bit of no huddle, but a lot of no huddles just to to prevent substitutions like Tennessee goes tempo for the sake of grinding you into dust like they go hurry like I don't even know how they get the play call sometimes it's nuts how fast they go and when they get going I mean it seems like every other play is a 50 60 yarder like they just they hit you in a hurry so when they do that especially at Neyland and you you there that fires up their defense they get a couple big plays it, it can get from like a pretty close game to a laugher quickly you know, that's what you have to that's do it. against Tennessee against Tennessee you gotta you, you can't let them get out 21 nothing on you you just can't let that happen no I mean Missouri was coming back last year I went to get a beer took a phone call five minutes tops come back in it was like 29 24 and boo 43 24 and of course the final was 66 24 do you think Eli Drinkwitz yeah, they, they, uh if they could have scored 100, they would have because Eli Drinkwitz has, has, likes to have some fun in the offseason with some quotes and stuff. And you'll never get guys like Heifel to admit anything about this publicly. But they remember that stuff. They remember that stuff. And uh, with him making some jokes about probation and some of these other things and yada, yada. Mm. If they could have put a hundy on him, they'd have put a hundo on him if they could have. <laughs> Mark my words. They would never, and even, pub, even behind the scenes, they won't really talk about it, but it's the truth. Tennessee scored 128 points the last average, or scored 128 points the last two against Mizzou. Yeah, it was. It's been bad. It's been bad. And, and I think the rest of the league is pulling for them to score 128 against Mizzou this season uh, in that game. Although Don't they have to go, I think they have to go there again when it's like 10 degrees. It's it's uncomfortable. It's not fit for human beings for for three yeah, months of the year. Well, it's it really a strange November for Tennessee, honestly, going to Missouri and then Georgia, that second to last game still just looks really weird. Um, but that's, yeah, that's when they're going to play it. But as it pertains to this series, and we'll let you run on this note here, uh, Wes, the last two years, one team won by 25, the next team won by 25. And this was a, this was a three of the last four years decided by 20 or more points prior to that. 13 of 18 seasons, the game was decided seven or less, and I think like 11 of those were decided by three or less. It was the yeah. closest series in the league, and then yeah. three of the last yeah. four years, it's 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 changed. Uh, there's no doubt about that. We'd love to get you back on once they, things get rolling in the fall and, um, and certainly look forward to these guys playing on September the 30th, and hopefully after a long week of media days, you find a way to get some sleep this weekend because you know what's coming in just a couple of short weeks, my man. Yeah, and I just left Omaha like three weeks ago or two weeks ago, and I'll never forget walking out of the press box in Omaha that night, uh, getting ready to get to the flight, the the airport the next morning. One of Tennessee sports 
Sinfo guys looks at me. He's like, hey, I'll see you in just a couple of weeks at, SEC, at Media Days. And I went, you can go to hell. Um, because, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 used to, we used to get like, what, like at least a couple months in the summer where unless you were heavy on recruiting, it wasn't that bad. And now it's like you get like, you know, by the time like uh, the gear and it hits the ground, it's the, the grind has started again. I love it. I love what we do. We have the best jobs in the world. But uh, another couple of weeks would have been nice. That's all I'm saying. I get it. I understand exactly what you're saying. Summer will be over before you know it, and it'll be it'll be uh, Missouri in November. So enjoy that trip. Yes, <laughs> can't wait. And, 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 and they're probably still doing media outdoors, um, which again in Columbia, Missouri, in November is a real treat. It's a real treat. Mm. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, That's why are they right. in the SEC? Nobody still knows the answer. Why are they in the SEC? TV markets. That would be your answer. Oh, That's is that your, what? That's your answer. <laughs> there we go. Mm-hmm. Thank, thank you, man. Have a wonderful weekend. Good, guys. There you go. Thanks, Wes bro. Rucker with uh, GoVols247.com. He's sensational at covering uh, Tennessee. Well, that after. guy. Man, we hired Wes. Got a got great beard game going as, yeah, as, as well. Got to hit a timeout. Hour one is in the books. David Cloninger up in just a couple of moments here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC.com is where you can find our staff, and you can always reach out to me here as well. Go Gamecocks. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go time. 
Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS the show from the Signorama Studios of the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. Make sure you find Matt Vaughn and his team at Signorama.com in West Columbia. You can be anywhere in the great state of South Carolina, and they will do anything you need from a signing standpoint. Maybe you need your vehicle wrapped. You need a new sign for your business. You need a new sign on the outfield fence for your son. Maybe you're uh, working with the high school to get the signs made for the football field. Whatever it is, Signorama. That's where you want to go. They are Gamecock owned and operated, and we are thrilled to do business with them. Matt Vaughn and his staff, their handprints are all over campus at South Carolina. Before we get David Cloninger in here, uh, six all-SEC preseason selections for Gamecock football, and the preseason predictions from the media are also out. No shock here that Georgia is predicted to win the league with 265 uh, 265 votes on the east side, 2,011 points overall. Let me just give it to you simply here. The predicted order of finish in the east, Georgia, Tennessee, and third are the Gamecocks, followed by Kentucky, Florida, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. So South Carolina, the media thinks, is probably going to have a pretty good season, picking them at third, which is a little bit different than that five-and-a-half win total presented by ESPN's FPI this week. Bama is predicted to win the West by the SEC media. It was tight, Phil. LSU Mm -hmm. a close second, followed by, how about this? I think JC mentioned it the other day, and he nailed it. 
Texas A&M, and then Ole Miss, Arkansas, Auburn, and Mississippi State presumptively in a rebuild mode with the loss of Mike Leach. The overall champion for the league predicted by the media is Georgia, followed by Alabama, LSU, and then Tennessee. But you'll never believe who got the fifth most votes in the league. That would be none other than Clark Lee's Vanderbilt Commodores. There were five credentialed media members that gave the Commodores a vote uh, to win the conference this year. Arkansas and Auburn each received a pair of votes. A&M, Mississippi State, and the South Carolina Gamecocks all got one vote in Nashville this week. The all-SEC preseason media days teams have been selected as well. Juice Wells uh, represents the Gamecocks on the All-SEC second team on offense. Trey Knox was selected All-SEC third team on offense. On defense, Carolina is represented by Tonka Hemingway on the third team. That is three of their representatives. And then they are also uh, represented by Kai Kroger as the first team punter. And on the third team, South Carolina received uh, kicking specialist Mitch Jeter and all-purpose back to carry on Joiner. So those are the six selections that will represent South Carolina on paper before the so, season gets going. So, so who, who who was selected? Did you say Kai was first team, right? The first team, correct. Yeah. Mitch was third? Yes. Did they know Mitch didn't miss a field goal last year? I these are probably the same guys that voted for Vanderbilt to win the league. All right, so that's number one. Who, who, was the, who, were, who were the two receivers in front of Juice? Uh, the first the first team is Malik Neighbors at LSU, which I understand, and Lad McConkey out of Georgia. Okay, I like Lad oh. McConkey. Yeah, I like yeah, Lad. Nothing wrong, with Lad. I take Juice Wells over him. I would. Yeah. I'm sure most yes, most I people am. with a brain would as well. Did they not Who do long to... snapper? Is there not a <laughs> yeah Hunter Rogers? Man. Yeah, Hunter Rogers ought to be that. Yeah, they caught a that touchdown dude's... last year, buddy. Yeah, hey, right. Uh, so so Florida the got third picked... read, By the way, <laughs> did yeah. you hear about Florida how that played picked developed? over over Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt? Florida's fourth. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, Kentucky received uh, is uh, predicted fourth in the league, followed by Florida, Missouri, Florida, and Missouri. Okay, okay, All right, that makes more sense. I was going to say I wouldn't pick Kentucky behind Florida. I mean, I'd I'd go back and forth between Kentucky and the Gamecocks. To be honest, just looking at them on paper. I mean, I know that game's in Columbia and late in the year. I think South Carolina will win it and beat the Wildcats for the second straight time. I mean, I hope I'm not talking out my butt there, but uh, I. Uh, on paper, they've got a good team coming back. You know, they have to fix some things too. But uh, that's interesting that nobody's high on Auburn. Who, yeah, and, and Ole Miss, they are high on Ole Miss, though. Yeah, fourth, followed by Arkansas. I actually don't disagree at all with the rankings in the West. I, I, I am one who would pick Alabama to win the division had I been there and voted. And, mm-hmm. uh, all of by LSU, and I, I'm with you, JC. I think A&M will finish third. And we'll finish fourth and I don't I actually. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that Mississippi State will finish dead last in the West. I actually might fight against that a little bit, but um, that's the thing. It, it's hard to pick a last place team in that division. It is. You know, our default in the East is Vandy. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, which Vandy may not finish last. Can I? Yeah. yeah, can I say that? I don't think Vandy will finish last in the East. Florida? 
Florida, Florida or Missouri. I, I know yeah, people are high on Missouri. <laughs> I know people are high on Missouri because of their defense. I I get that. I understand that, but I uh, I don't think I just don't think they will. I think that there's there's some Lou Holtz type magic maybe in that uh, Vanderbilt year two under Clark Lee. Hmm. I'm telling you this. Here's a team to look out for that could finish last in the East, and nobody will see it coming. Kentucky. I don't. You think? I don't know. Well, let me tell you. I, I that what if Devin Leary gets hurt? That was, yeah, I was going to say if Leary goes down potentially, or if and, and what the if their defense isn't quite isn't as good? Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If their defense isn't quite as good, yeah, yeah, I'm I don't not know. buying into the whole since you know Liam Cohen's second coming is going to just raise this team back up to ten wins. I'm not buying that think- narrative. They they weren't all that good when he was there. No, Mm-mm. they had I mean, been that long, and that was still it. Grind it out, do whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I didn't think you know. Everybody's like, "Oh my God, Liam Cohen's coming back!" I mean, you think how Mummy was coming back to run the air raid, right? Yeah. I, I I just don't you know. I, I think at some point Kentucky's going to have the inevitable down year. Uh, and uh, like old, like same like same reason I think Ole Miss could finish last in the West. Yeah, and uh, you know everybody, I think we get in habits where we just assume things about coaches. Sure, oh, you know you. Lane's a great offensive mind and rock. You know he rocks and rolls or whatever, and so uh, you know he'll be fine. But you know those those programs, South Carolina included, and then everybody outside of a certain group of program. I mean, they have their inevitable down season. So. Well, um, Beamer, to your point, Beamer, by the way, tied yeah. for using the word excited. Fifteen times he said excited. Jimbo Fisher was tied with him at fifteen. Shane, by the games. way, uh, one of us might need to send him a text and say, you know, you did shave that opening statement, but but Shane, I mean, you were still <laughs> you're still in the top third, man. You gotta you gotta you gotta you know you gotta shut the trap a little bit and let these guys ask you some questions. That's good stuff. You know, uh, you know, are you, do you think you'd be a head coach since you haven't been an offensive coordinator? That was a killer question. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm Tell glad that guy's been around for the last three program. years. What a moron. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is ridiculously stupid, but actually to, to, all right, JC. So I'll, uh, unlike, unlike you, mad dog here on your bubble wrap comments yesterday, I'll, I'll actually go along with you on the on the Kentucky, on the Kentucky stuff. Uh, just circling one week. If they get beat at Vanderbilt on September the 23rd, then I think that that would be a, a real possibility. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kick the can down the road and cheat a little bit here and say, if they walk into Nashville and the doors take care of them, then I could certainly see that happening. Is that cool? Is that fair? It's fair, right? That'd be a second year in a row, but see, here's the problem. And this is one of the, this is one of the things I don't like about the portal. Vanderbilt's best player on offense was their running back last year, and guess where he's playing this year? Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, here's my thing: Kentucky was not very good on the offensive line last year. I don't know how much better they will be. I like Devin Leary a lot. I love the receivers they got. I like their backs. At some point, they're going to take a dip on defense. It's not. It hasn't always just been. Where, Wait a second. What? 
<laughs> the most uses of the word excited is like you mentioned is Shane. Of course, he's tied with yeah. Jimbo Fisher. But Jimbo's hey, who, tied. I'm like, hey, but who who are the two guys that only use that word once? Kirby and Saban. <laughs> Nothing exciting about it. Just got to get to work. Oh, man. (laughs) Napier only used it twice. No crap. (laughs) Well, I was watching my grass grow the other day, and I was also watching the paint dry, and that's when I decided that I would uh, watch my neighbor's cat. And I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? (laughs) Mom always said to watch the cat while I'm watching my grass grow. Sometimes the cat likes to take a pee. I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you at all, Jason. Scratch me in the face. I just I saw that graphic and I started laughing. The fact that it was, uh, that it was um, Saban and Kirby only used it one time. (laughs) One time. Saban was probably in reference to his Italian vacation too. It probably wasn't even about the project. He probably said yeah. I wasn't excited. Wasn't excited yeah. about going. It's excited now, about now, my, yeah, the, like I said, the, the goat had a comic timing miscue in his, yeah. in his opener. But uh, oh, we got BC in. Let's see. Let's bring good. Him. Oh, good, David. Uh, he's on the road. Big, wa- big watch. By the way, no, I don't think Kentucky's better than South Carolina. I, th- I think the teams on paper. I need to dig into Kentucky's defense. I think I think, I think they're probably pretty even, but since the game's in Columbia, I'll go. I'll go e- easy. Phil, we got to get an updated picture, picture of Cloninger. That's his college. Is that photo. his high school graduation? I picture? love it. I'm not changing it. No. I, I, I would it. never change it. <laughs> I would never change this. That picture was taken in. Oh, we missed the story. Your cell phone. He's on I forty. We did get him in the gorge. Two thousand three. It's only. <laughs> I heard two thousand three. Two thousand three. Can you hear me now? Twenty years old. Yeah, we can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're back. All right. Sorry about that. Yeah, that that picture was taken in two thousand three. Uh, you know, so it's only twenty years old. It's 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 not that bad. But, you know, I, I don't photograph well. I've got a face made for radio. That's the only picture that actually got the smirk right. So, that's, that's it's amazing. I love that picture. It's uh, I would never ever change it ever. No, no, man, I think I lifted it off the Twitter red profile. So, still yeah. in the goat there, you know. Had the red still on the goat there. That was, that was, that was pretty good times, you know. So. <laughs> I dig it. Of course, the SEC had to release the all conference team right as the show was about to start. Oh, yeah. So I oh, just okay. crossed the state line and pulled off at that rest area right above Landrum. Yep. And had to get that uh, up for the paper. So I'm, uh, I'm back on the road toward Columbia and. Hey, third in the East, I think that's that's about what was expected. But just to go ahead and say it, um, okay, we only got to vote for two wide receivers per team. So I can understand why Juice Wells slipped a second. I get it. But there were four defensive back spots per team. Not safety or corner, just defensive back. So that's 12 spots. Nick Emanwari's not one of those? Because I know I voted in there. But apparently others just ignored a freshman All-American season. <laughs> yeah, they're like, well, nah, he's not. He ain't very good. Sophomore slump coming. I think, I think the easiest way to summarize this is there were also five people who voted for Vanderbilt to win the league. So I'm just 
<laughs> you know, I, I mean, come on. You know, there's people like David Get a little ahead of themselves out of that job. five and seven season. <laughs> Listen, Clark Lee is yeah. leaning over the hearts and minds of the media because there was only one guy last year that did it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, hey, give them credit because they, they won some games, broke a long losing streak. They beat a, a pretty good Kentucky team, but obviously a flawed Kentucky team that wasn't worth the hype last year. And then they beat Florida, which I know South Carolina can't say nothing about, but Florida was a bad team last year. Mm. So, I mean, okay, good good for Vandy, but it's like, come on now, fellas. So, okay, whatever. you know, but, yeah. uh, I'm done with the soapbox. Preseason rankings are kind of like verbal commitments from recruits, so they they don't mean a whole yeah. heck of a lot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, so who did you somebody, who did you have did, as? Li- yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry, You're Jimmy. Just, I was about to get into the Who did you thing. have nope. as last in the West? I think this is an interesting question. Who finishes yeah. last in the West? Actually, as I was doing it, JC, and just looking at the teams and kind of what they had, I was like, you know, I I just can't really trust that Arkansas is going to keep doing what they're doing, although they've got some skill position guys. But still, I was like, I think they've got enough to finish out of last. So I picked Auburn. (laughs) Okay. I was like, I just just don't see that there's a whole lot there that you can trust. And I know Hugh's going to come in and revamp the offense and all that, but it's like, eh. I mean, that, that division is extremely tough. I was higher on Auburn. Than most, and it, it, the freeze factor, but also I thought after they got rid of uh, boring McBoringson, probably the most boring head coach in the history of the recent SEC, Brian Harson. Over Napier, uh, I thought. Well, we'll see what Napier ultimately becomes. But Brian Harson's not even from the South. Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a big difference. <laughs> Uh, when they got rid of him, I thought Auburn played good ball. I mean, they, they beat A&M. I think they, they came back against Mississippi State. I just – I'm with you. I don't know what they really have on their roster. Uh, so, I could I, – I think it's – I think that's a good pick. I, I just I, – I think this is the year Ole Miss and maybe Kentucky both have inevitable dip years because I think we're used to those teams being pretty solid under Kiffin and Stoops. And I'm just uh, that, – that's kind of my gut feeling. But I don't know. I, that's, that's a great question, though, as, as far as who's going to finish last in the West. That's a, that's one I struggle with every single season. Oh, sure, man. I mean, with Ole Miss, you can see – you know, maybe that will happen, that they've had some really good seasons. But it's kind of regressed since they had that 10-win year in year two. But, man, they got Judkins at running back. Mm-hmm. That guy ran for 1500 last year. I'm like, I think they're going to be okay. I mean, most <laughs> of the time. But, again, it, it is a very tough division. I mean, honestly, I was struggling with say, well, I mean, is it automatic that Alabama's going to win? LSU's got a really good team, and they won the West last year. So, it was close. I flip-flopped it a couple of times, but I, I did end up going with the Tide to win the West, mostly because of this. Nick Saban's had the audacity to lose four games in two years. And he's hearing now, ooh, has Nick lost his touch? Yep, he's going to be like, okay, yeah. We're we, we going to let the old man show you a few things again. So, right. you yes. know, Georgia, Georgia versus Alabama for the championship, I think that's what most everybody picked. And I picked South Carolina third in the East as well behind Tennessee um, a lot just because, well, Tennessee game's on the road. And, man, you know those guys are looking forward to it. So, but we'll see yeah. how it goes. You know, got to go play the games. And they always mention that, only nine times in 31 years has the media got it right. But you know, of those nine times, five of them have come in the last nine years. 
So to yeah. me, he's on a bit of a hot streak in picking the champ. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Nice. That's, that's a nice little – see, you got to always dive deeper into the numbers, don't you, D.C.? You can't just – Yeah, man. Numbers, damn numbers, or numbers, numbers, and damn statistics. How are that expression goes? <laughs> <laughs> what um, – David, spending the week in Nashville as you did uh, for for SEC Media Days, specifically uh, with the Gamecocks here, and specifically with Spencer Rattler, what, what give give us a feel of the room and what the rest of the uh, and what the rest of the league thinks about the Gamecock signal caller. Well, a lot of them, you know, says like, well, you know, I wasn't here last year, and it was like, look, man, I mean, he was he hadn't thrown a football. And over a year at that time, you know, I think that they wanted to take guys that had been in the program, nothing against him, but he hadn't yet earned it. So everybody was talking about the final two regular season games. And he didn't play bad in the Gator Bowl, but those two regular season games were terrific. And it's like, yeah, I mean, this guy, he's going to be an NFL guy, and he's one of the top guys in the conference. I mean, yeah, he is. Handles himself very confidently like he always does. Uh, But, you know, there were some, like myself, who said, you can't just ignore the 10 games before those last two regular season games. Okay. So it was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those, which Spencer Rattler are we going to see? Now he carried himself. Well, he presented himself. Well, said all the right things. You know, he was confident without being cocky that that rattlesnake pendant was excellent. I mean, that was yeah. a really cool looking thing. And, you know, he just sat up there and said, yeah, I mean, uh, we know what we're doing. We're confident in our offense. I love all my receivers. They all came out and worked with me. I asked him specifically about, you know, the running game's got a lot of questions. How much more does that put on your plate? And he's like, it does, but we're confident those guys will do it. I mean, because, as you guys know, the top running back's probably going to be to carry on, right? Right. Well, I mean, he knows to carry on. And to carry on, if you need experience – there's the guy right there. He's 23 years old. He's in his sixth season. So it's like, yeah, he's, he feels like it's going to be all well done, and he knows that there's a lot on him to go out there and play well from the start. But as he uh, said over the summer a couple of times, like, yeah, I know my numbers weren't what they were supposed to be. But some of those, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah, you threw some bad picks, but some of them were also not completely your fault. What do you think about his comments about the Florida game and all the personnel groupings and the confusion and stuff like that? That's my first question. <laughs> Second question, you know, having covered uh, sports with Charleston Post Curry, you've covered DeCarrie Joyner his whole career and stuff. Uh, you know him well. What are your thoughts about running back maybe being his best position now that he's 230? Uh, you, you just kind of – Answer those two things for me. Oh, sure, man. I'll take the second part first. I mean, I think a lot of folks who watched him in high school, of course, wowed at his ability to play quarterback. And the guy threw for over 10,000 yards in high school, won Mr. Football, won a state title. You know, he could do it. But it was like, well, next level is running back maybe his best position. I think a lot of folks use the old standby of saying, ah, well, you know, quarterback in high school, it's usually just your best athlete on the team, and you're going to put him at QB. Not because he's going to be necessarily a QB the next level. Um, but I think that, you know, the, the, the kind of, uh, I guess, the safety net there is you always put him at DB in college. You know, say, ah, oh, he's QB in high school. We'll make him a defensive back here. I think he could have been a pretty good running back, maybe a bit tall for the position, but still there was something there you could make it work. But they said, hey, he's going to be a quarterback. And obviously, as you guys saw, they needed him 
to play quarterback. So I don't think it will be as big of an adjustment as people might think for to carry on. He, he knows what he's doing. He's athletic. He's grown into his body. He knows how to do it. It's just going to be the production, which is not entirely up to him. That's going to be the question. Can the line open the holes? Can they keep the heat off of that? Can he find his way to get through those spaces that other running backs can? And, you know, I know he's going to give everything he has to do it. And it may take him a little while, but I think he'll succeed. As for the first part, uh, you know, with Spencer talking about the personnel groupings, I mean, that was, you know, that was the game that drew the line in the sand. Uh, I still, and I, again, I asked him, you know, exact, I still haven't heard a great answer. What exactly happened in between Florida and Tennessee? What happened in offensive meetings? What happened in team meetings? And no one will say. It's just kind of like, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we just weren't playing our best. And we played our best. against Tennessee. Now, there had to be something as in we're not doing this anymore. We're going to simplify this offense and we're going to do that. And, I mean, okay, you're going to say personnel groupings are bad against Florida. That's why you couldn't move the ball. All right, whatever. I saw the same personnel groupings in the second half as I did in the first, and they were moving the ball. They just couldn't hold on to it. So maybe it was a case of like, yeah, all right, he's going to blame somebody. But you kind of tiptoe up to the line of saying it's this guy's fault, and then you back off. I think they were confused. I, I think that was a team that needed to just go. That's an offense that with Rattler and everybody that needs to just go play. You know, sometimes and they, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 99% sure they, instead of scripting 45 plays and 20 yeah. of them that they'd never run before, uh, they only carried about 12 plays into that game and sort of, Made a little simple. I don't know who. That's one of the great mysteries, right? Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's another one of those things. While we're all sitting there midseason, and Satterfield's up there, man, I love Gene Bell. I think he's the best player in the world. I want to get him the ball thirty times a game. I'm like, great. Why don't you? It's not just not getting him the ball. He ain't even on the field, man. So what's going on here? And they course, played Georgia. Never they played either. Georgia. And didn't target Juice Wells the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> Against but, Georgia. Oh, <laughs> I, I, don't, you know, don't pee on my back and tell me it's raining. It's it's like, come on, buddy. I mean, you got to work with me here. Saying you want to get him the ball and then he's not even on the field? Like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, an interesting choice. I, I'm with you. And I, and I think that that's – and I think we, we actually heard a couple of folks this week from outside of the program – uh, speaking about Dow Loggins, one of them who is very enthusiastic is a major media member, Greg McElroy, who from time to time he'll pop on TV and, you know, occasionally pick sucker on and win a national championship. And then that doesn't really work out like he did back in 2014. But to his point, though, I mean, you know, the guy did spend time in the league and he under, understands it. And, and all the points that you and JC just brought up here. DC, I'm not sure if you've spoken to anybody in Nashville this week about Dowell taking over as the offensive coordinator, but 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 I think that's one of the most interesting things that we're all going to be watching early in the season is does South Carolina have a a, a play caller like Coach Loggins who has identified the best players on the team and has found ways to get them the football? Well, that's a question, and I did talk to somebody, the venerable Bob Holt. For the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, you know, an institution in Arkansas, great guy, great writer and reporter. He's like, yeah, man, how how you get in Dow getting along? I'm like, well, I still haven't had a sit down with him. I'm hoping to get that this week. 
But so far, he seems good. He's a, he was always a stand-up guy at Arkansas as a player and then as an assistant coach. And, of course, he mentions, like, you know, Dowell came in knowing that he was probably never going to make it to the next level as an NFL player. And he barely made it as a college player but still managed to stand out playing 50 games. But he said, I always came in to Arkansas to be a college coach. That's what I wanted to do. I just didn't think the NFL was for me. But then, obviously, the path worked out. So he, he knows, it's like the guy knows offense. He's, and you've got, you gave him a lot to work with in this first year. The main thing, though, is that we're all going to have to take a step back every game, especially early, and say, all right, we got to judge this not only on play call and production, but on something that Dowell had nothing to do with, which is hardly any running back depth. Right. So if that's going to be the problem, it's like, well, it's, it's, it's a bad situation. Like, hey, here's your first college offense, and you don't really have a running game. If they keep trying to run their heads into a brick wall and it's not working, okay, you got to switch it up. But you can't just throw it every time. So how do you marry that? I mean, how do you have, I guess it's, if you count to carry on as a scholarship running back now, you have five. Okay, great. But how are you going to do it? Is it 10 carries by committee? Is that, how's that going to work? I mean, those that's, that's really difficult to navigate. So, But what we all know, fellas, you can't just sit back here and throw it every down. You have to be able to run the ball sometimes, and that's going to be the biggest hurdle for Dowell Loggins' first collegiate offense. I mean, I think he's up for the challenge, and he's, he knows what he's going to do, but it's really, really tough to do it knowing you don't have a dependable RB to lean on. You know, guys, something that's been lost, I think, in a lot of this uh, in preseason conversation with the Gamecocks, I'm sure it'll come up more in August, but th- think about for a second, collectively, we can all use our minds here and get something out of them. Think about how much collegiate experience South Carolina has on the offensive side of the football from their playmakers. You think about Rattler and on Joyner. That's a combined 10 years in college football. You think about Trey Knox. That's a combined 15 years in college football. You think about Josh Simon. There's 20. You think about Xavier Leggett. There's 24. I mean, you think about Juice Wells. There's 28. You're talking about the best players on the offensive side of the football have been in, have been playing college football for 30-plus years. That's got to mean something, doesn't it, guys? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think you could ever replace experience. Fellas, I mean, what do you all think? No. Well, yeah, no. Yeah, no. Well, I actually – 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just – I guess what I'm getting at here is when you put that much – we we all know in anything in life, um, you you do best what you do often. And these guys have been in the college game for a long time. And I'm you know thinking about this from a little bit of an optimistic point of view here. Even if you run into some issues this year, which they're going to, just, I mean everybody does. Carolina's going to run into issues. You bring in a guy with the experience of calling plays like Dow Loggins, understanding what it takes to be an NFL player but also understanding what it takes to be a collegiate player. And then all these guys who understand the college game, you'd like to think that that group of people can work out the kinks easier than if they were much younger. I didn't even mention, by the way, Amari and Brown has been in college for four years as well. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, you know, to I, – I agree, Jamie. And, and the fact is – go ahead. No, no, go ahead, David. Go ahead, David. DC, can you hear us? I like it. Standoff. <laughs> yeah, right, cool. Going through it's, a it's bit a of a radio. Going through uh, a bit of a dead spot here. I'm passing right by Dorman University. So. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're, about to hit, you're about to hit the big city of Ennery and Pauline. Yeah. And they don't yeah. have any oh, cell phone service or running oh, water I'm, out there. I'm, I'm passing by Dorman, so that the signal's going out kind of like their football team does every year. As a veteran of the I-85 wars back in the day when Northwestern had to come up here, it's like, man, we beat you guys hand-running, what, 30 years in a row? Come on now. Jeez. <laughs> hey, Dorman, Dorman's been pretty good since the mid-90s, but, man, they used to suck terribly. They were awesome. Spartan and I was good. Burns was a littler school. Woodruff was good, but Dorman was just bad, does, dude. Does bad. Dorman and Northwestern, do they play each other this year? No, no. I mean, once they realigned the regions and kind of lined up Northwestern with not only the area schools around York County, but some of the northernmost schools in Richland County, River yeah. Bluff and Spring Valley, that's how they've done the region. So it's like you got to play everybody there. And, and, of course, now it's been like, well, yeah, I mean, uh, you guys are 4A, but South Point's still 5A, but you want to play them because it's a city school. And Rock Hill's 4A, so, of course, and they're in the region, so you got to play them. But, man, I mean – you know, Fort Mill, when I'm growing up, little, little, you know, tiny fart of the town, just a, a back way on the yeah. way to Charlotte. That's all it was. Now Fort Mill's got three high schools, and two of them are 5A. So, hey, uh, David, do you remember Region 24A? Uh, it was Rock Hill, Northwestern, Gaffney, Spartanburg, Dorman, Burns, and then drum roll, please, the mighty Boiling Springs Bulldogs. Oh. Who, who I know have I know have produced two South Carolina quarterbacks that were pretty damn good. However, they they they're terrible still in Spartanburg <laughs> County. But but man, though that was a strong region. Strong. Absolutely, region. man. I've still got in my scrapbook ticket stubs from Northwestern's nineteen eighty nine state championship season. All the games I went to every one, and all those teams were there, either home or away. So that year, Gaffney came to uh, came to, to uh, District Three in Rock Hill. But I've been to the reservation for other games, and oh man, uh, <laughs> that's an experience that everybody needs to go through. Be I scored the a touchdown at a reservation. I scored my go. only touchdown of my football career is in middle school, <laughs> but uh, it was at the reservation. <laughs> yeah. uh, I guess you, ball, Petey. <laughs> East, uh, I remember 98 bootleg pass, man. And uh, the quarterback is actually the coach at Burns for a while. My quarterback's quarter coach at Burns and, and at Clover for a Little while. Giant. Brian Lane. But that was, that was oh, yeah, I remember Coach Lane at Clover. Yeah, uh, Brian Lane. There, what, back when I was working for the Rock Hill team and Jet Turner was the head coach. They ran that old yeah. uh, triple wing. Yeah. They won a state championship with that. I couldn't believe it. it. Like, <laughs> you know, this is Clover's man. first boys' state championship in school history. I'm like, I'm not surprised. Y'all going to make me miss high school football back home, man. Oh, was, God. We got to stop. That, this is going to start yeah, crying. I'm nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no. Hey, man. We've only got about three weeks until the uh, the season yeah. opener. That's right. And, uh, it's about time here in a couple of weeks, right? You know? Check it out, man. I mean, Northwestern versus Providence Day in, in the Panthers Stadium on a Saturday, August 18th, and tickets are five bucks a piece. Nobody sells a ticket. Come on out there. I mean, I'm hoping when the when the practice schedule comes out, I'm like Shane, don't you schedule no scrimmage or nothing else. I got to be at that day. But I got to go up and see my boys play. <laughs> you know that's when they're gonna they're gonna scrimmage. I guarantee you that Saturday the 11th and Saturday the 18th. But it's like yeah, but will we have any availability afterwards? That's the key. Question. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah, that's when you hope for no availability. So. That's when you – yeah, that's right. Well, DC, safe travels back home. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you and JC's uh, 1990 high school football love fest, but we'll do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, give give me a call whenever you guys want to. Oh, we will. We'll, we'll get you back real soon, probably uh, probably next week. Sounds Thanks, good, fellas. Appreciate you. Thank you, brother. The Post and Courier. He is the best in the business. Along as headed back to Columbia, South Carolina. All right, we got to take a timeout. We are way past due for that. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. Hey, Tristan, if you're watching, we love you, man. You're the man. Great. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stoneblatt. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. (laughs) Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show Garnet and Black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox! You heard Evan Stone Gamecock fans 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. Let me paint something.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Sear Foss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail 
and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream, and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barn Doe Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. sucks all right no like Brian. I, I mean come on guys come on rory come on jordan nah. i mean come on uh, hats off by the way to my man Derek scott because i know every year he does not sleep during this entire week this is his favorite sporting event in the world the open championship is it really I, oh. it is i texted him this morning i said if you when's the last time you slept he said i've actually been on the road for corporate meetings and so i've had to listen to the large majority of it so but he won't be this weekend, so Derek Scott will be up all hours of the night watching the Open Championship. So feel free to, you know, if you're awake at three, four in the morning, shoot him a text. He'll uh, he'll probably respond, and if he doesn't, it's because he doesn't like you. Uh, JC, you were on uh, with Bill King in Nashville earlier this week, and one of the questions that he asked you, I actually used to ask the same question on ESPN, but I asked it a little bit differently. Who's the out of nowhere guy? Um, in my mind just used to be referred to as who someone we're not talking about, but we will be talking about by the middle of the season. And uh, so you posted it on this website this morning called thebigspur.com. And um, it's, pretty, pretty awful. Good, it's a terrible take. Pretty good website, by the way. It is, a, it, it, it is pretty bad because uh, Trey Knox was selected <laughs> as a uh, preseason all SEC. Shake my head. So, I'm not sure that he's coming out of nowhere. Uh, uh, he yeah, also, he's pretty all much over there. Right Arkansas is the middle of damn nowhere. You ever been out there? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> he went more literal had, than he did figurative yeah. here. <laughs> well, you hadn't eaten until you've been to the catfish hole in Fayetteville, Arkansas. <laughs> that sounds the like catfish hole. I've heard that before. That sounds it's like pretty Blue. solid. Yeah, well, you know, it, 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 it makes blue bay seafood. It puts it to shame. 
But to give you credit, yeah, though, that's yeah. not hard. <laughs> to give you, let me give you some credit now. All right, so we broke, you know, the old coaching philosophy here. Let me break you down and build you back up. Well, that was pretty horrendous. Um, not as horrendous as the whole bubble wrap thing, but pretty horrendous. You also mentioned two names that would be my two names. And I bet it won't be a shocker because I've been saying Josh Simon since January. But Josh Simon is my out-of-nowhere guy on offense. And then on defense, it uh, it is O'Donnell Fortune. Yeah, I think O'Donnell, you know, and we, we both got it from, from contacts slash sources during Gator Bowl practice, Jamie, that, you know, this guy – was making some things happen. Lo and behold, it, it came out in the game, not only with a hundred yard pick six, I thought he played pretty good defense the whole day. Uh, everybody's been high on him. The, um, the old staff, the new staff, everybody. And, uh, I think that, uh, I, I, you know, sometimes guys take a little while. Darius rushing Cam Smith, the two guys, I guess got drafted. They were not instant superstars. Anybody, anybody here remember Cam Smith redshirt his first year? Right. Anybody here remember Cam Smith's first game, Tennessee? Yeah. Oh, he got uh, yeah. beat on a nine yeah, round. Then let the oh, ball hit him in the yeah. leg. Hit him in. Oh, you know. Gosh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And was lost until the Missouri game when he had. It was kind of thrown into the water, and lo and behold, he'd gotten better. Uh, I don't even think any of us thought Darius Rush would ever play until Beamer got here in the 2021 opener. Right. Sure. Um, and so sometimes guys take a little while, and and O'Donnell has always been solid. He's been behind better players, and, and he's taken a while. Uh, so I'm with you there. The reason I thought Josh Simon is, you know, Trey Knox is automatically going to get a lot of the, the attention. And, and, and number one, it's because a lot of people listen to our show, and Trey Biddy sat here in the preseason last year, Phil, and, and he, he was a member of the Trey Knox fan club mm-hmm. uh, big time. Uh, number two, he's coming from an SEC program. Number three is a four-star recruit. Josh Simon was a two-star recruit uh, locally that nobody found. Uh, goes to Western Kentucky, uh, lights it up, was a Mackey Award winner. Then his stats go down a little bit, and there's a reason for that I'll get to in a second. Um, but Josh Simon's really, really good. Uh, yep, <laughs> and, really and I, good. I think because of Knox, you kind of, you know, and you're like, you kind of get, a, he kind of gets overshadowed a little bit. And I'm yeah. going to tell you this right now from interacting with the guy. He's the great, one of the great, but they're both great kids. Yep. But Josh, he, he's got a little competitive streak in him, man. He didn't like the Trey Knox talk. He yeah. didn't like it. I mean, you could tell when you're sitting there talking about dynamic duos, like, oh, man, I'm going to go get it. That competition between those two, and they're both going to play a lot, obviously. I think it's going to be, they're going to be, be on the great. field at the same time. And I, I think two people don't understand in a in a in the type of offense Western Kentucky ran while Josh was there. It's a pure air raid, Mike Leach, five wide, boom, boom, boom. They rarely play a tight end, you know. So for a tight end to break into the rotation and catch what nine touchdown passes like he did, that's pretty salty. I mean, he may not have seventy catches in a year. But you're in a freaking air raid, and you're a tight end, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that uh, I, I think that that would be kind of my my sleeper if you're not going to go with a Joiner or a Mario Anderson or you know Eddie Lewis, somebody like that. Guys, I, I, I can I can tell you now, you're going to look out there when it's four wide, and 
very often are you going to see Juice, Leggett, Simon, and Knox. Not in those guys traditionally lined up as tight ends. They'll be lined up out wide. And and I I, I, I just tell you, you're going to see it. And it's going to be scary. And so if you're clicking on offense and you're Spencer Rattler, not only are you going to, you know, not only going to have your primary guy and then all your checkdowns, you will also, guys, and we talk about this all the time, who's your safety valve? Well, you've got four of them. You have four safety valves. So as long as you throw it to the guy that's not triple teamed, there's a good chance it's going to get caught, you know, and uh, as long as you get time to throw it. And how are you going to – all right, so here's the thing. Let's assume that this very veteran, old offensive line, they all play their best football, you know, tackle isn't as much of an issue, you know, they stay healthy, whatever, knock on wood. And so they're able to block a little better, right? And I I think a lot of their blocking in the run game is going to naturally be better because you're not asking your tackle to pull like the Rams. Nobody noticed that, did they, you know? Uh, I think it's been much more of a straightforward blocking scheme, and Lonnie Teasley and Dowell are on the same page with that. So let's assume they do. Okay, so so you're giving Spencer Rattler time. All right, so you got Juice Wells out there. If you don't if you don't do something about Juice Wells, he's going to kill you, right? <laughs> yeah. So you got to do something about. He's it. already said that. Well, well yeah. Him. I mean, so yeah. so so who else? So, all right, so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna bracket Juice. Well, what does that leave open? Does that leave Trey Knox open? Does that leave a Josh Simon open? Does that leave Xavier Leggett, who is sort of a freak, open? Does that leave How about Amari Brown, who can house it? Uh, you know, Jordan out of the backfield? Yeah, what uh, I love is that it's going to force, you know, a linebacker to try to cover one of those four guys that JB just you, rattled off me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't, good luck with that. <laughs> I'm not sure how you play zone when you have all these guys on the field at the same time. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, that's it. I mean, and you put Joiner in the backfield and then, I mean, you, you just, you don't know what the hell's about to be. <laughs> and I, we're done. <laughs> here's the thing too. I think Dowell, I don't know, man. Sometimes I'm sure Marcus Satterfield watched film of the opposing team. Well, yes. Although at times he said he didn't. No, he did. I don't know. Regardless of what Maybe Twitter was, say, he did. But no, no, he said it one time. He's like, I don't really even watch what the other team's doing. What? <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, so anyway, I don't know what he meant by that, but uh, he said a lot of crazy stuff. Maybe, maybe he was just trying to kind of, you know, super psych them out. But you know, you don't, yeah. you don't get jobs in that. You don't keep your job in the NFL. You don't get jobs in the NFL if you're not watch. If you're not a film idiot, you know, film room all day. Right. And understand, and, and so that that's the key when, when you're when you're they're disguising coverages or, or getting in a zone, and that was one thing Steve Spurrier and actually quite frankly GA Mangus was really good at too, and quite frankly Mike Bobo was really good at is when they go to a zone they he they pick the spots and they had right. something for everything like that, and so that that to me attacking that zone is going to be kind of a play calling type of thing, and I do think some teams will play a big soft zone against South Carolina. Uh, if the Gamecocks struggle to run the football, because they're just going to be like, we're just going to limit your passing plays, and and then you got to throw over the top of it, or hope somebody misses a tackle and, and to get a big play. So it's going to be interesting to see. I'm looking forward to seeing the plan of attack. And, and, and I'll tell you what I liked about Dowell 
in the spring game because, you know, he said it's going to be vanilla. He's like, ah, I'll be, and it was. But vanilla was throwing a bunch of nine rounds, <laughs> chucking it down the field. I mean, the verts, you know, boom, we're going. And I have, I just have a feeling based on some comments of some, from some players and other people, this offense is, it's, they're not running the Adam Gase offense from the Dolphins. Okay. I, this is the offense is going to be a lot more like what Penn State does and what Arkansas did under Kendall Browse. And, and a lot of people are mistaken about the Browse system. Well, Tennessee runs the Browse system. That's an example. The Browse system is set up to where if you have a KJ Jefferson and you can run it like a freight train, you can. But if yeah. you don't, you can chuck it all over the yard. You know, you don't need RG3. Uh, to run this offense. I mean, you know, uh, there's been a lot of uh, other players that, that can't run a quarterback that have lit it up uh, through the years in this offense. So, so yeah, I just so want to say that. Well, and, and like Contrell said, surprise no one picked Xavier Leggett. But you got to remember, though, it, 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 who is the out-of-nowhere guy? Xavier Leggett isn't coming out of nowhere. He's a marked man. He's proven that with kickoff returns and big plays and everything. Who Did Nick even worry last year was out of nowhere? DQ Smith was out of nowhere. I think if it wasn't so deep at wide receiver, Kyla Horton would be a guy who'd be literally out of nowhere this year. I so was going to be yeah, out of nowhere. Offer that name as somebody who could just show up on the radar. Yeah, either that or what's his name? Uh, Caldwell. Elijah Caldwell. Elijah yeah. Caldwell. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I agree with all that. I just think that those guys, as good as they are, and they're going to play, they're also going to just run into a playing time issue because. Yeah. There's so many guys there that are flexible that can do multiple things. Um, so, like, who's coming out of nowhere? I mean, J- JC's already hit, hit 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 this guy multiple times. I know we got to go. We're at the end of the week. I'm yeah. ready to get the hell out of here. But, but you know, JC, you know, you said Jalon Kilgore maybe a month ago. I mean, Jalon yeah. Kilgore is a guy who I think probably has a real chance to come out of nowhere. Th- this guy, I think Pup Howard is going to come out of nowhere for the rest of the league. We're aware of him. But I think the rest of the league soon is going to be like, well, now, wait a second. This guy's a freshman? Oh, okay. This team will have a lot of freshmen. It'll be a lot like God, the 2000 team in a cer- certain ways. Y'all remember the 2000 team? A lot of veterans. Yeah. Like, But but like in the secondary, you but know, you had guys. Sheldon Brown, Willie Offord, Antoine Neesmith, Andre Goodman. But behind those guys, you had true freshmen, Rasheed Monroe, DeAndre Island, the Island. a young Dante mm-hmm. Robinson. Uh, that kind of thing. I, I think that's how – watch the depth chart this year. You you may not have a lot of freshman starters. You may by the end of the year. But you'll have a lot of freshmen that play. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a young younger team, uh, although expectations are high. And I'll remind everybody, first time Dabo won a national championship, he's like, we're the youngest team in college football. So, you know, sometimes you're a young team and you win when you got a great quarterback and a lot of skill talent. I'm not predicting a national championship. Don't worry. Yeah, don't don't constrict. <laughs> JC Sherbert says, "No, I, I, I wait opportunity." I think while thinking about that, you know, over the show here, I think you know, I think Desmond Umiazulu has the opportunity to be a name to just pop out the screen. I mean, just because mm-hmm. of the position he plays. So that's that's my defensive one. Because I think we've talked up Pup Howard enough to where he, I mean, within the, the Gamecock circle, that's 
you know, like you said, JB might take the nation by storm, but yeah, we're well, all kind of expecting it. <laughs> and 70, 76 brought up a couple of names here as well, who I would absolutely throw in there. I, I'm not, I think Elijah Davis is a guy who will come along and eventually be a big one. I, I, I've heard great things about what TJ, TJ Barrett and uh, TJ Sanders and Nick Barrett have done. I do great things uh, about both of those young men and, and, and what they've been able to uh, make of themselves coming into the fall. So, you know what? I hope every single name that's thrown out here, I hope they all have the best season that they could ever dream of having. And then JC's dream will come true. South Carolina will win the national championship. The national championship. Where's right. that? Is it Houston? Houston? Who cares? It doesn't matter yeah. if, it was, <laughs> if it was in Australia, I'd go since we've never been. Good eye, Mike. Uh, good eye. From South Carolina. Yeah, I, I, somewhere, though, what I just said. Uh, Shadow of Mom's Basement is, is clipping that and put it in one of his stupid little videos. You know, oh, yeah. We're guy. going to be oh, superstars. Yeah. The guy's That's down right. there, you know, he's watching Looney Tunes and eating some lasagna that his mom popped in, the Stouffer's lasagna. Stouffer's and he's, uh, he's he's clipping all the Carolina Tortor clips. Ladies. He makes little videos. What a dork. Tortor ladies. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Hey, hey Shadow, don't mess with Mad Dog Mullinax now. That guy, he will find you. You're upstate brethren. He'll find yeah, you. That's right. You live awfully close to me. <laughs> I have a stupid <laughs> That chills went up my spine there, Phil. Son of a... Like, don't mess up. I don't mess with that guy. It's a uh, quiet guy you got to worry about. <laughs> hey, hey to my man from Chapin, South Carolina. What a great yeah, town. Throwing town. Online. Go, go to GamecocksOnline.com and, and click on the media guide. I don't know if they have a depth chart out yet. If not, go to... There, there's a projected one. It's not accurate, but it's close. On OurLads.com. O-U-R-L-A-D-S.com. They have depth... Projected depth charts for everybody in the country. Yeah, the official depth chart for South Carolina is probably a little bit over a month away from being released um, by uh, by Coach Fink. By the way, before you oh, well, got here, it. Eric Backich, by the way, speaking of Clemson, headline and title type. Backich thankful Canarella stayed despite tampering from other programs. <laughs> <laughs> Some, some things up there just never change. No. No. I'm sure Canarella didn't know how to get in touch with, oh, I don't know, say a former head coach. No. <laughs> I don't know about that, bro. All right, hey, let's get out of here, Percy. The, the press box <laughs> up there, that's like their fraternity house for the media in the upstate. Seriously. Bro. What's up, bro? Dude. I'll see you. From multiple fronts. Like, I mean, you know, hell, I feel like I ought to go up there and check it out. <laughs> hey, my kid, kid, the youngest kid. I got a text from him while we were on the phone. This is funny. Right over the air. Hey, can we get DoorDash and get some McDonald's? I'm like, sure. Comes back. Hey, I didn't know they quit serving breakfast already. Can I get something else? <laughs> like, bro, it's dude. <laughs> Just because you woke up now doesn't mean the rest There's of the, the world things. hasn't been up for hours. Yeah, yeah. What was that hotcakes and sausage? That big breakfast, right? Every muffin. That's all right. Better than Some the big riddles. Uh, prison hooch. My youngest was some guy in a room over this week. In the uh, in the words of uh, 
of uh, Dumb and Dumber, or Dumb or Dumber, whichever one you want to refer to. Some guys just weren't cut out for the road. <laughs> All right, I got to go cut right, out. Let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> I got to do Keith's thanks podcast, to West so... Thanks to Wes Rucker and David Kloniger and to all of our wonderful guests. Thanks for hanging with us this week through our coverage of SEC Media Days 2023. We are rolling towards football season. We'll be back at 11 Monday morning inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. And always live from the Sinorama Studios and teed up by our friends at TravelingCountryClub.com. See you next week.